Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV and the Coindesk Podcast Network. It's a fresh week. We're in for new adventures in the world of crypto. And I, for one, am excited. I am Zach Seward. We got Wendy O, Will Foxley, and Jensen Assey. And I'm starting us off today. With Will's favorite, a bank research report. (laughs) Let's go to it. All right. JP Morgan is out here saying that we need legislative clarity in the U.S. around crypto assets, especially in light of recent actions by the SEC. Now, this one stood out to me because I feel like this is something we hear from the industry itself very often. Hey, the legislative process is where we need to focus our energies. Hey, we need to get some clear laws on the books rather than going back and forth on the regulatory whims of whoever the SEC chair is at any given year. So this to me is interesting because it suggests that the moneyed people, the the banks of the world, they also want legislative clarity in addition to maybe a little bit more precision on the regulatory front. So I thought this one was interesting that JP Morgan seems to be siding with industry on this one as it relates to the push in DC for laws around crypto assets rather than just regulation by enforcement. I got to toss to Will, shouted him out in the intro. What do you think about this one? Uh, Interesting maybe to see JPM take a stance on this, but I could be wrong. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they had to take a stance at some point, right? This was a huge thing that shook up last week. And Zach, I liked your intro because last week we were all talking about like how sad things were, right, with Binance and Coinbase. And it is indeed a fresh week. So we'll see what horrors are in store for us. I think all these big banks are going to be watching what's happening with Coinbase and with Binance. Most every financial company has some exposure to crypto at some point in some place right now. So this is going to pretend like a, a lot of different involvement for these companies and these banks, right? Uh, just think of JP Morgan. They have a large stake in consensus, which consensus is a very large Ethereum fund, right? They, they have Ethereal, or at least they had Ethereum at one point. They have a lot of different tech stacks for Ethereum itself. So JP Morgan definitely has a, has a dog in this fight, as do many of these other companies. And we'll talk about Robinhood in a little bit. Like they're delisting tokens, right? And their trading volume is going down. Same sort of story. So watching this from a higher level, like a TradFi level, like these people care as much as they do, like shoo it and don't want to talk about digital assets. At this point, it does make up some of their money. So they're going to have an opinion on it. Wendy? 
So I don't really care for JP Morgan. There was other news that came out this morning, which I won't talk about on this show. But we do know that the banks have been invested in the crypto industry for quite some time, especially Bitcoin. And I think that this is just kind of a show that they're playing. I feel like in the past, we've seen JP Morgan like say terrible things about crypto and Bitcoin and then say positive things. So it's kind of like they flip flop. But we do know that the institutions do want to have complete control over this industry because that's where they profit. And crypto assets are a direct threat to their bottom line. And that's all that these people care about. So I feel like it is good that they're coming out and saying this. However, they're not on our side. They're not on the non-accredited investor side. They're just in it. And they're just saying positive things because they want regulatory clarity so they can capitalize off of the industry. Jen? Well, that was a spicy take, Wendy. I'm not sure that I can follow it with such vigor. But I think the bank report is right, right? Every time we read one of these bank reports, we all can kind of agree that, you know, what's being said here is not something really new, but it's something that we need to continue to talk about to continue the conversation forward. What I focused on here is that the report says that crypto could start moving into decentralized entities and also overseas. So we're going to talk about that overseas part a little bit later. But that decentralized entities part was really interesting to me, given the fact that there was a ruling in the CFTC case recently against UkiDAO. And the ruling was a default judgment, but it was against UkiDAO. And we'll remember that the CFTC came after the DAO. They didn't have anyone's full name or address. The DAO was served in the Discord. And now the CFTC has won that case. So even if US regulators can push crypto companies into DeFi or push crypto companies away from the US, it seems like they still have a grasp on these firms. And this is something that I think regulators are really going to need to figure out. I think we need not only clear regulatory frameworks, but clear instruction on how entities outside of the US need to work and what entities outside of the US need to do to ensure that US citizens don't have access to their products. And then instruction on what happens if US citizens get access to those products. There's so many layers to this. I think it's just going to be so difficult to come to a conclusion or a solution by the end of the year. I saw someone's hand go up, but I don't know whose it was. I think my hand went up. No, I'm, I was going to kind of comment and talk about how much hypocrites these people are and how the US government is directly against crypto currently. Um, but they went ahead and then used Coinbase's services to liquidate some of the holdings that they had confiscated. So it's just, it's like, it's a menagerie. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I think the Bitcoin angle here is interesting, right? So we saw that video from uh, Brian Armstrong over the weekend. It was from Wall Street Journal uh, interview with Brian Armstrong and Coinbase. And they talked about how the SEC has sort of pivoted, right? A year ago, they were not giving a lot of information or disclosures on what they saw about the crypto market. And then he said, about one year ago, it started changing to where it was basically everything is security, but Bitcoin. And so I think that's the government's purview right now, or at least SEC under the current administration. So one thing I wanted to go back to, to what Jen was talking about is like these foundations and these teams and these token groups, right? How will these things evolve? I think we've actually sort of seen them evolve already. Most of these token shops, how they're built is they'll set up a foundation that'll be offshore, and then they'll build an entity within the US that's licensed to use like the IP of it. And so you are like having this sort of like shell and protection because most of your company or your foundation is a nonprofit offshore, right? So like the SEC can't really go after them, or at least they think the SEC won't go after them. Then everybody else who's maybe a developer or like does business development for the project lives in the US typically and is trying to grow the US market because that's where a lot of cash and capital is. I'm wondering if that changes over time. As of right now, especially with these cases as of last week, Binance and Coinbase, it looks like 
the SEC is just going to go after the exchanges. They're not going to go after ADA. They're not going to go after Solana. They're not going to go after Matic. Those things are in the documentation, right? They're in the notices and the lawsuits, but it's not like the SEC is going after them. They're just going to go and try to starve the liquidity from these exchanges. And then maybe down the road, they go after these tokens if they think it's valuable. Zach, to you. I saw Jen's hand, so I got to toss it her way first. I just want to fact check myself. It wouldn't make sense that the CFTC went after UkiDAO for offering unregistered securities. They went after them for operating an illegal trading platform and unlawfully acting as an unregistered futures commission merchant. Zach, take it away. Good fact check. That was awesome. I just want to say, Leah, I mean, market participants, they want clarity, right? That's how people make money. They don't want to run afoul of the laws. They don't want to be the next Robin Hood to have to delist assets that their regulatory team thought was kosher. So I think when you see JPM and other big institutions come out and say, hey, this is what we need. We need clarity so that we can make money. That certainly makes sense. And that's certainly what a lot of people in this space are clamoring for. For them to come out, I think they're an interesting messenger because it does suggest sort of institutional backing to some of these big ideas that the crypto hordes have been arguing for for years. So anyway, that to me is interesting, but we can leave it there. I'll toss it straight to Wendy. Wendy, what do you got? So because we have lack of clarity as to what the heck is going on in the crypto asset industry, it looks like a very large crypto VC is deciding to open up offices overseas, which is something that we're going to see recurring, I think, for the next, maybe until after election season. A16Z is expanding to the UK. They have approximately $35 billion in assets under management across multiple different funds. And they said that the UK government is willing to create policies that encourage startups to pursue decentralization. The office is going to open up later this year. And it's going to be used to invest in crypto and startup ecosystems in UK and Europe. And I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more companies decide to do this. And the reason why they're said they're not completely closing down US operations yet is there's still a glimmer of hope. I forget what that meme is where, bro, maybe there's a chance, maybe there's a chance. Um, but these companies are starting to hedge and um, look at options overseas, um, places where they're actually welcome so that they can continue to build and make money. And it looks like the United States is going to lose quite a bit of taxpayer revenue. Will, I want to get your take on this. Yeah, this is big news, right? We've been talking about uh, the UK for a little bit, and we've been talking about the, uh, how they've been more friendly to crypto, especially with their new prime minister coming in uh, late last year. And he said he was like pro-Bitcoin, pro-crypto, pro-Web3. And a lot of politicians give lip service to emerging markets, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But quickly, it seems that that is being taken up by firms. And A16Z decided to open up its second office ever. Uh, is a big indicator of that. One thing that was in the article, you can read on Coindesk.com talking about this, was the fact that there's been more unicorns out of the UK than there has been in a scattering of different European countries they're talking about, including something like Germany, which is a pretty big place for actually Ethereum development. A lot of the early Ethereum devs came out of Germany. So the fact that they're moving into this jurisdiction is an indicator of the growth in the past and also like the future of where this market is going to go. It, one note on this is we've been talking about the Mika regulations that are just coming out right now. Uh, markets and crypto assets, which the EU has just passed, it took a very long time to create. A lot of people looked at that and they were like, hey, this is great for Europe. This is great for crypto developers to move here to start setting up. We have regulatory clarity as opposed to the United States. But with Brexit or a few years ago now, we know that those two jurisdictions are operating under different laws. The UK and the EU do not have the same crypto laws. And to see this happen to Mika and then the UK right after makes me wonder how actual developers and founders are thinking of the Mika rules. Why not just go to the UK if it's even more friendly uh, over the US or EU? 
Zach, I'll throw it up to you. Yeah, this is super interesting. And it puts a lot of weight behind some of these comments that we've seen from you know Coinbase and Brian Armstrong and others in the space saying, hey, US, if you're going to be inhospitable, we're going to take our ball and go elsewhere. And so you see A16Z, which is obviously probably like, I don't know, has the biggest uh, amount of skin in the game as it relates to making Web3 a real thing, saying, hey, we're going to set up a major presence in the UK. And by the way, we're going to make a major investment in the UK crypto startup. So I think this actually lends weight and credence to the argument that I think a lot of people in, in the US are seeking. They want some leverage. They want to be able to say, hey, like, we're going to go elsewhere and do this, and the US might get left behind. You know, in the post itself, they say, hey, we're committed to working with US policymakers. This is by no means, you know, a full departure from the US. But it certainly, again, lends weight and leverage to these claims of being like, well, if it's going to continue to be inhospitable, and if we, you know, can see the writing on the wall, we're going to go choose some different places elsewhere, whether that's the UK, whether that's France, whether that's the Middle East, whether that's Asia. There's all these countries that are emerging as, um, you know, more regulatory friendly, more common sense regulation of this industry and these assets. So I think it does just, again, from a messaging and sort of narrative perspective, and like lend a lot of weight to this idea that US, the US crypto industry could just go elsewhere very easily and bring with it jobs, money, investment, and all the things that politicians really tend to care about. So that to me is sort of the big picture, but fascinating to see this. Also kind of interesting that it dropped uh, overnight UK time, you know, sort of the Sunday evening to get the sort of chattering classes going in the US. But in the middle of the night in UK, which that was interesting. And we've already seen a little bit of blowback from some uh, prominent people in the UK who are not super duper happy with this. But Jen, I'll toss it to you for your thoughts. Yeah, it was interesting to read this because the UK hasn't always been super friendly towards crypto, right? I think recently we spoke about how some lawmakers in the UK were said that they were thinking about regulating crypto the same way that they were regulating gambling. And to see this really quick change and to see this group of lawmakers now say, we're looking at regulating crypto as a financial service, financial services. I think there was like more than 50 recommendations in these like new, um, in this new paper, I think is really interesting. And it shows that they see the value that Mika is bringing to Europe and they want to follow suit. I know, I think at the beginning of May, some numbers came out that showed the share of VC investments into European crypto projects. And it's up almost like 10 times in one year. So. And Q1 of 2022, the share was 5.9%, and that's up to 47.6% in Q2 of 2023. And so the truth is in the numbers, right? We're seeing the money go to Europe. We're seeing, you know, more, more jobs being created in Europe as more startups are launched there and more people move off there. And so I think the proof is in the pudding and it will be, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the US. I, I, it will be interesting to watch. The next two years are probably until we probably will not get clarity until after election season, in my opinion. So like two more years of this ridiculousness. And I probably should pull up a chart and look and compare what what happened last happening to see what we could expect, because maybe this was not the bottom. There's still time, Wendy. Bring your charts. Tell us. <sighs> That's a lot of work right now. It's Monday <laughs> not morning. Not now. Later. <laughs> we are going to talk about Robinhood now. The crypto trading platform saw a steep decline in trading volume, according to the company's May operating data. The platform reported a 43% drop in trading volume for crypto when compared to the month before. On a yearly basis, crypto trading volume slowed 68% on Robinhood. Will, I'm going to toss this one off to you. Is this a result of regulation? Or is this just because everything is down? Scams are down, rug pulls are down, prices are down, things are just down. 
Everything's down. I don't know if rug pulls are down, though. Those seem to always they be around. Are. There was a report that came out. According to a company, they are down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you find that in the meantime. Uh, but yeah, no, but everything's down, right? Like whether your token is down in USD terms or trading volumes are down in exchanges. We are in the bear market. That's how it is. Bitcoin might have bombed in November with the collapse of FTX, but that doesn't mean that things aren't going to languish in the meantime. This is how it goes. Uh, one interesting insight was from CoinShares, which is a data uh, team and a uh, asset manager out of the European Union, and said that about $450 million have, have left crypto over the last eight weeks. That's outflows. So they track inflows and outflows of capital into crypto and get $450 million, which is a sizable amount of money. And so if you think of trading volumes, trading is also going to start kind of squeezing up. We're going to probably see an increase in stablecoin volumes. We're going to see an increase in withdrawals. We're going to see people leaving a lot of these tokens. And over the weekend, we had a nice bloodbath in a lot of crypto altcoins, right? Why? Well, because a lot of people look at these altcoins and they sort of are waiting for them to pump back up after the collapse in November. And it doesn't always happen. There's always a thing called a suckers rally and it sort of fades out. Wendy can get that in a second. I would think that most people are moving into Bitcoin or they're going to move into stable coins and just withdraw entirely. Like I said on Friday, this is the lowest trading month or one of the lowest trading weeks since 2019. And it's because there's regulators coming in the space. There's less interest in the space. Nothing innovating is really happening. It's not a lot of places to make money at the moment. Wendy? So, Will, there are lots of places to make money, and it's going to be with Bitcoin because we love Bitcoin ordinals and we love BRC20 tokens. Well, those systems are still pretty new and they're kind of complex to use. I actually downloaded a, um, a wallet that's compatible with ordinals and BRC20 tokens over the weekend as I wanted to play around with it a little bit. Um, one of the people I was staying with for Decentralcon and 3XP last week, they were all in on ordinal. So there is opportunities to make money. It's a lot harder. However, this is typical bear market stuff for me. And I understand that a lot of people are upset because the charts look all red. I made a really funny post like, oh my God, it's all going to zero. This is typical bear market stuff. Like a lot of people see a relief rally and they're like, oh my God, everything's going to go back up. And that's not necessarily the case. And a lot of people start dollar costing averaging into things or they start investing and buying and they have no intention of taking profit. This is pretty standard price, actually. You're going to see a lot of these things happen, especially if there's poor fundamentals. The poor fundamentals I'm referring to is the actions by the SEC because there's no legal clarity as to what's happening. Coinbase is one of the largest exchanges in the United States, and they provide a great service to people that are interested in getting into Bitcoin or crypto assets. And then Binance US got hit. There's all these terrible things coming out in the news. So of course, it's going to cause a little bit of fear in the market. Robinhood is a mainstream company. A lot of people use that for traditional stocks. And the fact that they're in the news for delisting some crypto assets is going to cause additional fear. So this kind of makes sense to me. It checks out. And I just think that everybody should act accordingly and refer to your trading and investing journals and make a decision based off of that. And maybe tax loss harvesting might be a good idea for you. I don't know. Consult your local CPA. Shout out to the CPAs in the room. That's awesome. We love yeah. the accountants. That's some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would think that like Robinhood and crypto is sort of like a, it's a bull market phenomenon, right? It's retail friendly. It's mainstream. It's easy, easy peasy. So the fact that Robinhood entered in the bull and had great numbers in the bull and then has significantly steep drop off in the bear makes a ton of sense, right? It's a bull bear cycle thing. So this is even before the delisting of the tokens. I'm not sure that those three tokens that were named in the SEC lawsuit against Coinbase that they ultimately delisted uh, comprise a large percentage of the crypto trading on Robinhood. I would doubt that they do. So this could even fall further down because some of those assets 
which are limited in number on Robinhood already, are getting smaller. So anyway, this is like something that is happening. A lot of stuff is down 70 to 80%. Prices, trading volume, all sorts of stuff. Number of people employed in the space. Like this is a big, uh, this is a big dip, but this is certainly part of the bull bear cycle that crypto is still very much trapped in and maybe trapped in for at least another cycle before things get boring. The road to boring is looking more and more distant, by the way, uh, mm. as all this, uh, as all this uh, questioning of the industry comes into, into sharper focus here in the US. But anyway, that's all I got on the topic. Will, what do you got? Let's go to the next story, actually. Okay, everyone get your reading glasses on, pull up a chair, get your light we on. We're going to do Here a little Coindesk feature. This is a metaverse story for me today, which all right. long-time <laughs> listeners will know this is not my cup of tea, but it is an interesting feature on Coindesk.com. Definitely go check out the features on Coindesk. There's some awesome writers, long-form pieces talking about the future of crypto. This one is about Disco, a metaverse project that is sort of bring the idea of user-owned data in-house by linking up with Shopify and other uh, teams to build out like custom jewelry, t-shirts, hats, and introducing different and interesting pricing models in order to incentivize people to own their own data. This whole story goes to the idea of, hey, what if we just like make some really, really expensive hats and we see if people will buy them and the people who like onboard into our Web3 ecosystem and give us our data and, and show how to use our data correctly, well, we charge them significantly less and sort of create a meme economy where people look at these really expensive objects and be like, hey, maybe I want that. But if I use this application and I take self-sovereign use of my data working with the application, then I don't have to pay as much. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I think Jen might just like it. I don't know. So when I read the story, the, the, the beginning of the story talks about the Jetsons and this world where everything is super easy. And it reminded me of how WeChat is used in China, right? So everyone uses WeChat. It's like a payments app. It's a social app. You do everything on WeChat, including like all of your business emails, whatever. It has all of your data. It makes life really easy. You walk into a store, clothes are recommended for you. You don't have to do anything to pay. You can just kind of tap your phone or or walk out. Like all life is integrated. This is super easy and fun. Then when you look into the terms and conditions of WeChat, it says that they have your data. And it basically says they'll give your data. So I understand the need for decentralized identity and I understand the need for this product. But I think that the majority of people really like the convenience that comes with, you know, this like data driven marketing and having all of your data kind of linked to everything in your life. And I'm not sure that this particular use case is going to be the one that's going to get everyone really excited about owning their own data. But I do think it's coming. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think that the early adopters could play around with it. And and from this, the iterations will happen that might get us to a place where people are really excited about owning their own data. I just I think right now, convenience outweighs that. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, that's actually a big problem that I see. And we I kind of was talking to the people at the event last week about how expensive it is to kind of operate in the metaverse right now. A lot of people don't have access to it or it just simply too expensive and it's too complex. And again, I don't like very expensive NFTs and things when you're trying to deal with mass adoption. That's a big problem for me, <laughs> I feel like. And I think that companies that are not thinking that through will not do well. Alt take. I love it. We love the big numbers. So you see a hat, 1200, big numbers. I'm all in because decentralized ID, it's been around for a while. It's never really clicked with anybody because it's kind of hard to sell, I think, in terms of the idea and what it brings to people. So anyway, good stuff. I think it's a good move. We're talking about it. Will, what do you think? 
Yeah, I like some of the ideas along with this. So like signing with Ethereum is one product that I really like. It's the idea of like, I have my public private key and I'm able to sign into like an application just like I would with Google or Facebook by using my Ethereum public key. And like I can prove it by having my private key on me. And that enables me to like have ownership of my own data in a semblance of a way, but also be able to use this application. So I like that. This story itself, I was a bit confused on like the metaphor, analogy, whatever it was that can correct me. That sort of interwove the whole story, talking about like the Jetsons and like self-sovereign data and like preferences being known by using a DID. That didn't quite land with me. That being said, could be a future like that with DIDs. So we'll leave it there. Zach? I like that editorly read that you provided. That was very nice. I like that you're thinking through those themes. Good work, Will. A plus. All right, that's it for the show today. It's a Monday. Tomorrow's Taco Tuesday. We'll be back. I'm Zach. We got Wendy, Will, Jen. We're the hash. We're glad you're here. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 